Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Good morning. I'm Tom Meyer, and I'm coming to you from Madison, Wisconsin. Actually, today I am in the small town of Blue Mounds, Wisconsin. Um, Autumn, can you hear me? I can. Okay. Um, I don't have my PowerPoint available to me. Uh, I did send one to you. If you have access to that, is that possible that you could share your screen? I can. Give me one second. Pull it up. Okay. I'm sorry about that. How's everybody? I can't see you all today, um, but I do see that there's seven participants in the room. The uh, topic that I chose to present today is procuring cause and specifically uh, developing a strategy for yourself as, a, as an agent or your team or uh, your firm. Now, procuring cause is... Uh, an issue that I think there's two kinds of agents. Those kind, the, the one kind is those who have not had a procuring cause uh, situation come across their business. And the other is those who will. Um, we work in a business where we cooperate and we agree to cooperate. And we also agree under certain terms to share compensation. I think that in having a strategy, putting together a strategy for how you're going to approach um, your, how you're going to approach a procuring cause issue when it uh, comes before you is to have a strategy on what is going to be your plan for um, evaluating the situation and uh, decide how you're going to pr proceed. I'm going to switch to my next slide on, on my screen. And I'm gonna tell you that I think the reason that it's important to have a procuring cause uh, strategy is because procuring cause situations are emotional. Uh, money, integrity, respect, and trust are all on the line when the issue is procuring cause. From my experience, and I've uh, dealt with procuring cause issues for companies and uh, for myself um, since uh, the first uh, experience that I had with it was in 1990. And over the course of time, I became uh, very interested in the professional standards, uh, particularly uh, the code of ethics and also um, procuring cause and arbitration issues. So I've handled arbitration issues for companies uh, for most of my career, and I've uh, come up with some opinions of my own. And one is when it comes to the question of procuring cause, um, as agents, our perspective usually favors our expectations. Autumn, if you can change the slide to the next one, Please. Thank you. So the rules of procuring cause 
uh, tend to favor our perspective, right? And my perspective favors my expectations. Interesting thing, perspective and expectations are all important, but next slide, please. It's better to align our, you might need to go one more, because there you go, thank you. Uh, it's, it's better to align my expectation with the rules of professional standards, the code of ethics and arbitration, than it is to align my uh, align with my perspective, okay? If we go to the, you go back one slide, please, Autumn. I'm gonna go forward one, because I see I switched in order. Uh, go back to another one, please. There you go, right there, okay. When I talk about perspectives, the ones that are common in procuring cause questions look like this. These perspectives support my expectations. I should get paid because I worked hard. I should get paid because I showed a lot of houses to these people. I should get paid because the buyers are friends of mine, their family, their coworkers of mine. I should get paid because the buyer is related to a past client of mine, or I should get paid because the buyer is a past client. All of these questions are important and drive a person's desire to uh, pursue or to, um, uh, to pursue a uh, procuring cause situation, but they're not necessarily relevant to the actual questions of procuring cause. On my next slide, I've got a picture again of the 2023 manual. I'm not sure that that's the next slide on yours, but that's okay, Autumn. We'll go back one more, please. Just backwards one, backwards one. I'm sorry. There you go. Okay, having a strategy based on the Code of Ethics and Arbitration Manual allows you to take a look at the facts as they exist from the perspective of how an arbitration panel might lay out the facts and consider the situation. Having a strategy which positions yourself on a playing field of your choice in a way that allows you to prevail when the facts favor you. And when the facts don't favor you by following your strategy, you have the opportunity to move on and put this one behind you, okay? Autumn, the uh, next slide that I wanna look at says approach procuring cause on this indisputable fact. There it is, thank you. If we take out all of the issues regarding procuring cause and all of the emotional issues <clears throat> and everything that we might have heard about procuring cause and how arbitration uh, panels make decisions, we, we should start, we could start with this one indisputable fact. Contracts determine compensation. You can find a guide like this in the 2023. Um, Code of Ethics and Arbitration Manual. I've taken this right from there to a certain extent and modified it for this presentation. 
Contracts determine compensation. We have multiple contracts involved in our work. The number one contract that we have to talk about today is the independent contractor agreement. This is where the brokerage firm agrees to pay us as independent contractors. This is the the contract that's important to uh, you and I as uh, licensees uh, who belong to firms. Okay, independent contractor agreement. If your your broker is XYZ Brokerage, we have an independent contractor agreement with them. They agree to pay us on certain terms. The next contract is a listing contract. The seller promises to pay the listing brokerage firm, not the agent. The seller has a contract with the listing brokerage firm. The seller agrees to pay the broker under certain terms. Another contract that comes up is the buyer agency contract. The buyer promises to pay the buyer's brokerage firm. Okay, The buyer agent is going to be paid from the brokerage firm. The brokerage firm is going to be paid from the buyer. The next is the buyer, or excuse me, the purchase contract. This is where the buyer promises to buy and the seller promises to sell. In that agreement, there can be a variety of other obligations and expectations, um, but the purchase agreement is between the buyer and the seller. The final and most important contract, I have it last on my list, but it's the most important, is the multiple listing service participation contract. Okay, we all agree as brokerage firms that belong to an MLS, we agree to cooperate and we agree to compensate when certain standards are met. Okay, my next slide is the MLS compensation standard. Thank you. All right, the MLS compensation standard is procuring cause, and I've taken the I've given you a link here to the uh, to the National Association of Realtors um, link to the document of the Code of Ethics. We need to have the current code every year. It gets changed. This is taken right out of the 2023 Code of Ethics. What is procuring cause? Procuring cause is the proximate cause, the cause originating a series of events which, without break in their continuity, result in the accomplishment of the prime objective. The inducing cause, the direct or proximate cause, substantially synonymous with efficient, okay? So a broker will be regarded as procuring cause of a sale so as to be entitled to the commission if his efforts are the foundation on which the negotiations result in a sale are begun, a cause originating a series of events which, without breaking their continuity, result in accomplishment of prime objective of the employment of the broker who is producing a purchaser, ready, willing, and able to buy real estate on the owner's terms. There's a lot packed into that. So let's break it out and let's start with just one of these uh, provisions and go on to the next slide, please. And the next slide is the arbitration worksheet. The National Association uh, has created an arbitration worksheet, which is useful to arbitration panels to sort out the issue uh, by, ask, by asking 
uh, a series of questions. And there are four pages. Um, I'm going to start with the very first page to take a look at that question, the foundation. What is the foundation on which the negotiations began? If the foundation is the beginning, then the question might be, where is the beginning in the sequence of events? If procuring cause is property specific, the beginning might be the introduction to the property. I'm not saying that it is. I'm saying that it may be. Okay. This was all so much easier when the broker controlled access to the information. There was a day, believe it or not, where all the information on a listing was in the possession of the uh real estate brokerage firms, the licensees. If a buyer wanted to find out about a property or wanted to know anything was any properties were available, they'd either wait till Sunday to look in the newspaper to see what was advertised, or they would contact a, a real estate agent. We know that's not the case today. So on this worksheet, I've put a big blue mark with at the question, which is, how was the first introduction to the property that was sold made? Okay, let's go to the next slide. On my next slide, and you've got the same one, I've laid out a, uh, a, a series of events, okay? And up above, I've got that key statement, a cause originating a series of events, which without breaking their continuity result in accomplishment of the prime objective. All right. So we recognize this as a fairly typical uh, scenario. Uh, let's say it is true. If it's true that procuring cause is property specific, then where does this um, where does this uh, series of events begin? And let's say it begins with broker A telling a buyer about a new listing. Well, broker A then schedules an appointment, right, and meets the buyer. Next slide. Again, we see this continues without a break in continuity. They discuss making an offer. The agent discusses making an offer with the buyer. The agent writes an offer, submits the offer, and the seller accepts the offer. Very simple. Based on this, it doesn't appear that we would have any uh, question about who procured the buyer, who earned the offer of compensation. Let's go to the next slide. In the next slide, and I'll catch up to that one, we have a similar beginning. The broker agent tells the buyer of the new listing. He schedules an appointment. She meets the buyer at the property. They discuss making an offer. And then something changes. Before the offer is drafted, <clears throat> but after the property buyer was introduced to the property, after the buyer saw the property, the buyer meets with broker B who drafts an offer. At that point, the offer is submitted and the seller accepts the offer. Now we've got a question that's probably going to result in a procuring cause uh, dispute. If we can go to the next slide, please, Autumn. The critical point in this scenario is at the point where I have the blue arrow. 
the buyer and the first agent have have talked about the property, have made an appointment, have gone to the property, have gotten to the point about discussing making an offer. And at that point, something happened. And this is where the uh, panel, the arbitration panel is going to want to look at the at the situation and start to look. They're going to ask themselves two questions. Was there estrangement or was there abandonment? Estrangement might be a little more uh, complicated to explain uh, and to define, but it may mean may be interpreted to mean something like, did the first agent do something so egregious that the buyer had to make a decision to go a different direction um, in order to go forward? The other uh, question is abandonment. Did the first buyer, buyer A, broker A, abandon the buyer in this series of events? Well, abandonment doesn't have a, a, a lengthy de a definition of length of time. What what constitutes abandonment? And on that is where the uh, parties are going to make their case in arbitration. Go to the next slide, please, Autumn. So my suggestion in developing a strategy to prepare yourself to decide if you're going to go forward um, toward resolving this issue through either informal conversations with the other broker, or if your broker is going to pursue mediation, or if you're going to pursue, or your broker is going to pursue arbitration, is running through this arbitration worksheet. So we started off uh, the question, who was, how was the first introduction to the property made? Okay. Number uh, question number five. That seems to at this point check in favor of the uh, broker A. Go to the next uh, slide, please. The next slide. There's another question comes up on on page two. If more than one cooperating broker was involved, how and when did the second cooperating broker enter the transaction? As you're laying out your scenario, these are questions that you're going to ask yeah, ask yourself, your, your agent, if you're the broker. Um, you're going to ask to determine what is it that you know about how the second agent, second broker became involved. Go on to page three. The next one says, was the entry of any cooperating broker into the transaction an intrusion into an existing relationship between the purchaser and another broker, or was it the result of abandonment or estrangement? See, that's an important question because another agent cannot step in and force the buyer into their camp. A buyer cannot eliminate agent A, broker A, from being procuring COD, by choosing just to go a different direction. See, there used to be a rule in procuring cause. One was who showed the property. He who showed the property first received the compensation. Well, that doesn't necessarily work because as we know, the anybody could have done a lot of work up to the point that the showing happened. So then the next question was, well, let's try this. Uh, he or she who writes the offer gets compensated. Well, that doesn't necessarily work because you could do all the work, 
you you move the process right up to the point where they're going to write an offer and then they go over to see Uncle Joe and Uncle Joe writes the offer. Well, that doesn't work, right? So the question that has to be asked and, and dug deep into is number 11. Was the entry of the other broker into the transaction an intrusion in an existing relation, relationship or was it the result of abandonment? Let's move on to the next one. Now we jump back to the next question that comes up that I've highlighted. Uh, number 15, did the original introduction of the purchaser uh, to the property start an uninterrupted series of events leading to the sale or was the series of events um, hindered or interrupted in any way? Okay, I put a blue mark in here because from, on this scenario that we've laid out, you can see that this has jumped from it looks like it favors the uh, person who uh, introduced the buyer to the property. Well, then maybe it shifted over to the other uh, broker if buyer A abandoned them. And then maybe it shifts back if we find out that, well, they didn't abandon them, but there was an interruption caused by somebody else, right? Um, by seeing the scenario spelled out on a worksheet, you can align your perspective with the relevant facts. And by relevant facts, I mean the ones that an arbitration panel is going to evaluate the facts on. There's going to be a lot of facts. Some of them are going to be emotional. Some of them are going to uh, seem important, but only some of them are going to be relevant to the question of procuring cause. When you have a strategy that allows you to take all the facts as you understand them, and put them on a piece of paper answering as answers to questions, you can see where your position is stronger and you can see where your position may be weaker. But doing this prior to having any conversation with another broker informally or prior to going to mediation or definitely prior to going to arbitration allows you to gear your position your conversation, your talking points to points that are relevant with the rules. We've got a few minutes left, so I want to shift this a little bit toward some of the conversations, some of the things that might come up, some of the uh, things that may or may not be true about arbitration and about situations that are arbitratable. Uh, Autumn, can you flip through and see if you uh, can arrive on a slide that says, are you sure about that? Yes, yeah, the next one. Okay. So um, as I've said, building your strategy based on the relevant rules, the arbitration uh, guideline book, and the code of ethics will help you focus on, on the facts as they pertain to the rules that we follow. So let's go to the, the next slide, please, Autumn. First question that comes up is, can you provide service to a person who has a buyer agency agreement? Can you? You are, say, a listing broker, listing agent a buyer comes to you, can you provide real estate service to them if they have a buyer agency agreement? Well, we know that the um, Code of Ethics addresses this situation. It says, standard 1613, before providing substance, substantive services, such as writing an offer, or presenting a CMA to prospects, realtors shall ask the prospect whether they are party to an exclusive representation agreement. 
right? Somebody contacts us. They want to set up a showing to see a property. According to the Code of Ethics, our first responsibility is to ask them if they have an exclusive representation agreement. It then, next sentence says, realtors shall not knowingly provide services concerning a prospective transaction to a prospect who are parties to exclusive representation agreements. Now, here's the key word, except with the consent of the prospect's exclusive representatives or at the direction of the prospects. So, The scenario goes this way. You're the listing agent. A person calls you. They want to set up a showing. You ask them the question. Do you have an exclusive representation agreement? They say, yes, we do. The next question can be, it is not ethical for the next question. It is not unethical for the next question to be, do you want me to go forward and schedule this showing for you? Okay. Now, There will be some people who say, well, the right thing to do there is send that person back to their buyer agent. Well, is it the right thing? It's an option. What is your listing agreement? What does the seller expect of you? The seller expects you to procure a buyer for that property. You would be acting within the code of ethics by asking that person if they want you to go forward and schedule an appointment for them and schedule that appointment would put you in line with the expectations of the seller. Whether or not that your firm pays the other broker isn't a question at this point. So the question above, can you provide service to a person who has a buyer agency agreement? You may provide service to a person who has a buyer agency agreement, provided you've asked the questions in the proper order, you've gotten the answer from the buyer that they do want you to go forward, you can provide service. Next one. Next question. Can a buyer broker avoid arbitration by rejecting the offer of compensation and have the seller pay the buyer broker commission? Standard of practice 1714, paragraph five answers that. This is an arbitratable situation where a buyer representative is compensated by the seller and not by the listing broker and the listing broker as a result reduces the commission owed by the seller in such cases arbitration shall be between the listing broker and the buyer or representative and the amount of the dispute is limited to the amount of the reduction of the commission to which the listing broker agreed this modification to the Code of Ethics was adopted in January 2005. Prior to January 2005, we had a scenario, a situation that worked like this. One broker procures the buyer. Typical situation might be open house. Buyer comes to the open house. They're interested in the house. They make another appointment with that agent. They pursue making an offer on the property. They're going to, the the agent is going to prepare to draft an offer. And then they find out another agent has stepped in and the other agent writes an offer. And in that offer to purchase the, uh, uh, a provision such as the uh, buyer and the seller agree that the uh, buyer has directed the buyer broker to reject the offer of compensation and the buyer broker rejects the offer of compensation and the offer calls for the seller to pay the buyer brokerage fee at closing. 
Well, in that scenario, prior to January of 2005, uh, there wasn't anything that the listing broker could do. The listing broker could not go back after the closing and collect the commission. Well, in, in January of 2005, uh, this modification to the code of ethics was in, was installed and it gave the uh, broker the opportunity to do what they needed to do, reduce the commission for the seller to pay so that the buyer broker could be paid by the seller and there wasn't an additional cost to the seller. And after all said was done, then the agent, the broker could go and file for arbitration to collect the fee because based on the case that they believe that they are the uh, procuring cause or that the other broker is not the procuring cause. There are um, oftentimes it's it, we're told it's best to go talk it out when we see that there's an issue. Um, well, compensation agreements are between brokerage firms. They're not between the agents affiliated with firms. Every brokerage can have their own policy, their own procedure, but I'm going to um, offer something to consider. When one agent talks to another agent about whether or not they're going to be compensated, um, those conversations probably do not bind the broker, okay? Compensation agreements are between the brokerage firms. Uh, can you go to the next slide, please, Autumn? Mm -hmm. Anytime that we're having conversations between one agent and another about compensation, we do open up the door to exposure to ethics and license violations. Uh, those kind of conversations should be handled between uh, brokers, between uh, the managers, between the owners of the of the brokerage firm, and not the agent um, as a uh, practice, a, a safe uh, practice. However, as I said, every brokerage firm can have their own uh, policy on that. Uh, I just think that a safe approach is to leave those conversations uh, to the people who are um, in a position to make commitments that can stand. As part of a strategy for handling uh, procuring cause situations, it's a good idea to um, in looking at this from the side of the broker who is contacted by another broker uh, to discuss a possible procuring cost situations. So when approached by another agent or another broker, keep in mind that compensations and agreements are between the brokerage firms and consider doing this. Before getting deep into a conversation, um, ask the other broker, other agent to put into an email the situation as they see it and as they understand it and have them explain what it is that they would like to see happen. Okay. Having that information in writing takes you out of the situation, out of the risk of having a conversation uh, where he said, she said can uh, uh, come into play. And instead, you've got documentation from the other agent, the other broker, um, as to how they see the situation and what it is that they'd like to see accomplished. Um, my final thought, uh, developing, develop your strategy for your team, for your firm, for yourself from the 2023 Code of Ethics and Arbitration Manual. We oftentimes hear uh, agents can say, well, if I was in your place, I'd, I'd step aside so that you can get paid. I don't believe that that's necessarily true when it comes to procuring cause 
we're never in exactly the other person's place. There will never be two situations that are exactly alike. There'll never be uh, two sets of emotions that and facts and perspectives that are exactly alike. Expecting exceptions to the rules weakens the rules and fosters resentments. An idea would be to consider letting the rules be your guide. Let the manual be your guide and build your strategy based on not expecting an exception, not being, not believing, not being, letting yourself be put into a position where you feel that it's your uh, obligation to make an exception. But let's let the, let's say we let the rules decide and let the rules be our guide as to how we're going to handle the situation. Final thought, uh, Deanne Remorowitz, Associate Counsel of the National Association of Realtors, wrote in the Realtor Magazine in November 2020 in an article called, Hold On, That's My Client. This is the best piece of advice that we can follow. And if you could flip through uh, Autumn, I'd like to bring this, this slide up. It's going to be a couple more um, in your and you batch another one, please. There it is. Okay. When a dispute is unavoidable, don't interfere with the transaction. Allow the sale to close. Then the cooperating broker who believes he or she is the procuring cause may request mediation, may have an informal conversation. And if that's all un unsuccessful, then they may file for an arbitration request with the local association. To learn more about this, visit the National Association of Realtors and search procuring costs. That is always going to be your best available guidance, your best advice, uh, your best resource for uh, creating a strategy. I hope this helps you some in thinking this through. Remember the key points. This is a contract business. We get paid based on our contracts and the rules of procuring cause are established and yet they are subject to interpretation. The best way to make your case, um, to state your case, is to make your case uh, based on the same formula that an arbitration panel may look at the situation. Thank you. I appreciate you tuning in. I hope this is helpful, helpful for you. I wish you well in your business. I'm, my name is Tom Meyer. I'm a real estate broker in Madison, Wisconsin. I've enjoyed being part of this conversation today. Thank you. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our eXp organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about eXp or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.